Nine minutes it is after 8 p.m. Uh, we now take a look at the state of play in uh, black business. Uh, there was a statement that came out of uh, the CEO of uh, Business Leadership South Africa, Bonang Mohale, saying the ANC government has killed more black businesses and black professionals than the National Party did uh, during its uh, 46-year rule. I personally would not agree with that, but uh, I hold no can for the ANC. And uh, certainly, uh, I guess uh, through hyperbole, his point was that uh, the present government had not done enough for black businesses and black professionals. And many of us, if we cast our mind back, uh, to many of the early deals, uh, I think of the first uh, Sunlam MetLife deal, which involved uh, Dr. Antato Mutlana, right through uh, to some of the latest BE deals we have. Certainly, a black business has uh, always been uh, calling for a much greater role for black people uh, in uh, participating and opening up the South African uh, formal economy uh, to uh, black involvement. And uh, responding to that letter by Bonang Mohale, Lebohang Maile, Gauteng MEC for Economic Development, uh, said that uh, Mohale is uh, not uh, true. Uh, what he is say- saying was not true. And uh, uh, he mentioned how much uh, the ANC-led government had spent on uh, procurement to empower small businesses uh, in Gauteng alone, having spent $74 billion since uh, the year of 2014 in procuring goods and services from uh, black uh, entities. And uh, they've also supported 28,000 or just over 28,000 small black businesses in Gauteng in that period. Now, uh, many of you are small business owners and I'd love to hear from you whether or not uh, many of the facts that have been put forward in this debate uh, I guess align and chime up with your own experience. So uh, do uh, uh, call us and uh, let us know if indeed uh, what Lebohang uh, Maile or even what Bonang Mohale is suggesting doesn't, uh, I guess, uh, fit up with your experience. And for this conversation, my guests are Andy Lenomlala, President of the Black Management Forum and also Managing Director at uh, 27.4 Investment Managers, Fatima Voda. Fatima and uh, Andy, good evening uh, to the both of you and thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us. Uh, good evening, Batan, and good evening to your listeners as well. Gosnopula. Fatima, are you with us? Yes, I'm with you. Good evening, all. Good evening. And uh, Fatima, let me start off with you. Uh, uh, you know, uh, certainly having made the case, uh, I, I guess uh, the uh, black asset managers like yourselves, uh, through your body, uh, the Association of Black Securities and Investment Professionals, one would get a sense that uh, there are very strong bodies lobbying here in the interests of uh, uh, emergent black uh, businesses or, or black uh, capitalists, if I can put it that way. In, and in your case, uh, one does get a sense that by and large, m- much of the money that we put away every single month and that we save uh, in our pensions and uh, in all manner of savings vehicles, very little of that is uh, sitting with black asset managers. And uh, I think that's a good starting point for us here because uh, it's quite difficult to start any business without capital. And uh, if indeed much of the capital and how it's allocated continues to be allocated uh, by uh, white asset managers in a country that is majority black, then we have a problem there, Fatima. Absolutely. So the Association for Black Securities and Investment Professionals was established over 20 years ago, shortly after democracy. Um, And since then, we've been spearheading uh, black business, particularly within the financial sector, as well as supporting black investment professionals within the financial sector. And the financial sector is quite a key sector of the economy because it generates over 50% uh, in terms of contribution towards GDP. Um, and the financial sector is quite diverse, and it's one of the most enabling pillars of our economic growth, uh, consisting of banks, life insurance companies, asset management firms, stockbroking firms, short-term insurers, so it's a combination of different legal entities that exist within the financial services that is really playing an intermediary role um, between uh, uh, business and, and, and the consumer. Uh, if we look at the total value of uh, savings capital in South Africa, we compute that on an annual basis and currently it's sitting at around 
8 trillion rands. So mm. that's a combination of um, the, the population's uh, formal savings in terms of mandated investments under retirement funds, as well as investments that they make on a discretionary basis. Uh, and if you add all that money, including the Public Investment Corporation and Government Employees Pension Fund assets, you know, we get to that value of just over 8 trillion rands. Um, while some of the institutions manage that money internally, there's about $5 trillion of that amount that is available to private sector fund managers mm. to manage those assets. And of that $5 trillion, uh, 10% has grown into the hands of the management of black asset managers. So that means uh, majority black-owned, managed, and controlled uh, fund managers, mm. of which they are around 50 of such fund managers that exist in South Africa at the moment. So, so, so Fatima, so, 10% from what, right? So if we if maybe say take a look 10 years ago, uh, what, what is the percentage then? So 10 years ago, we were sitting at around uh, 2%, yeah. and that has steadily grown uh, over the period to a level of around 10% currently. Mm, mm, mm. Let's pause this slightly, Fatima. Nopul, l- let me bring you in here. I guess the picture of Fatima is painting here. It might be in uh, the uh, asset uh, management industry and even uh, for asset consultants. But it is indeed a picture that finds expression across the entire economy. I mean, if you look at the early deals in the 90s uh, in the listed space and uh, how many of those initial special purpose vehicles folded, I think of New Africa Lim- uh, Investment Limited, NAIL, uh, and many of the other ones, even the National Empowerment Consortium, uh, which had uh, the current president, Cyril Ramaphosa, as part of the consortium, that also folded uh, a few years ago. And of those that have remained, I mean, I think of uh, Patrice Mutsepe and even HCI, which um, is the holdings company that owns uh, the ETV uh, media assets. Uh, and more importantly, uh, it seems that uh, in terms of uh, transforming the economy. Just uh, taking it from the from the Fatima's input, Ayawanga. Uh, let's start there. Mm. When she talks about that ten percent of the five trillion that, or five trillion rands that sits with uh, uh, outside asset managers uh, instead of the internal ones, is that the tragedy with it is the fact that even the black asset managers, by virtue of the regulatory framework, mm. they are forced to invest that money in the GSE-listed uh, businesses, in the property assets, in the bonds, mm. uh, in the bond market. So it doesn't still, even if it's managed by black people, it doesn't even trickle down to black businesses. Mm. That's the first crisis. Mm. So we have to deal with the issue of the regulatory framework in the asset management space. And and I want to even insist that if you look at the regulation uh, that says a, a certain portion of the amount, 30% of it must can be invested offshore, 5% of it can be invested in the private equity space or venture capital or angel investors. We have to demand that that 5% must also be reflective of what we are trying to build. All we need to do in, in, in South Africa, uh, Ayabonga, is that we have to create uh, emerging new organic black businesses that's the first thing. Two, we have to transform the existing uh, businesses. Mm. But you can't do any of those things when, even as you argue, the, the, the capital that these asset managers are playing with, by the way, is black capital mm. from PIC to pension from fund workers. Man, uh, pension fund money mm. from union monies is black capital. But mm. the mandate of these trustees that gets appointed by the black uh, owners of the wealth in, in, in this instance gets to do the traditional things of investing 
uh, as they are investing, and that is tied up by the regulatory mm. framework. So we have to change that. Sure. That's the first point of departure. And two, we have to then insist on transformation. Transformation, as far as I'm concerned, in this aspect, when you're talking numbers and figures, it's what exactly empowerment is about. It, it ticks the boxes of numbers and figures. And the fact that we're not meeting those numbers and figures, it means it's also a policy failure. Mm. And, and the legislative framework that our own government doesn't keep people accountable mm. for not sure. meeting the necessary requirements. Nopula, what do you make of uh, the Minerals Council last week saying they're going to take the DMR's uh, decision to shift uh, the the uh, minimum threshold, I guess, for black ownership in the mining sector and in order to get a license to mine from 26% to 30%. Uh, and taking that particular matter on judicial review, I mean, what is your view look, on that particular look, one I, I, and how the DMR has responded? I, I, I actually, I actually, with Duma now, we're busy studying the, the whole uh, the condition from the Minerals Council. Mm. As I understand, they are not just disputing the fact that they had to increase the equity ownership sure. to 30%. They also are dealing with the issue of once empowered, always empowered. And and I want to I want us to, to understand this issue that you can't have been empowered in 2000 for whatever t- way that you were empowered and you still, when we are meeting the frameworks of transformation today and you still want to argue that since you were empowered back then, you can't be empowered now. There is no company in the country that must argue and stand on a point that we have given black equity before and they didn't even, because we would look at the terms and the conditions they gave black equity before. It was vendor finance and most mining shares have went under and Mm. those black people never benefited anything in reality. Of course we do have, we just had a meeting with Patrice this afternoon, we do have those that have benefited from the Anglo sale of assets and some few, but but the point is the transformation in the mining sector is not what we want to see mm. and everybody that is participating in that space must meet the necessary requirements. I think the issue here is that we have always in, in this context, I'm, I'm going to say always in the context of us being a black government, mm. we have always negotiated on the back foot with business. There is no there is no firm ground that business understands that we are moving from this point to that point and we are lobbying business to, pa- to be part and parcel of that. Now that's why I mean uh, the, the Minerals Council, uh, Roger Baxter's people are now wanting to condemn certain things. It's because to them transformation is not necessarily what we want to see in the country. Transformation to them is a matter of ticking the boxes, mm. benefiting the people that they want to benefit. But for us, is that the reflection of the business of South Africa must be that of Africans, because mm. this is an African country. Okay. And the demographics of this country must therefore be... For them to say we want to move to 30% mm. is a favor. Yeah. We, we should have an equity ownership of 80%, mm. because Africans sure. are 80% in this country. But the, but the and, and people want to behave as if these businesses and this economic advantage that they have it's an organic thing that come mm. came out of normal society they were advantaged there was an environment that created them to be in an advantage position therefore we cannot that just take a back foot and allow them to continue being in an economic advantage position because by now they have assets they have value that they've invested in the economy sure. therefore they will forever be advantaged by the economies okay. uh, you are on the line uh, calling us uh, good evening to you how are you 
I'm cool in you, sir. I'm very well, thanks, brother. I'm cool, I'm cool. Um, uh, um, I want to comment about this, uh, this like, uh... Yes, 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 please go ahead. Yes, yeah, man, Aisha, I know, man, uh, we struggling, struggling. I mean, I'm, I'm a young person. Mm. I'm 27 years of age. I have a construction company, a construction company. You know, the challenges that we face in this uh, industry and the business industry itself, that um, finance, you know, like the many flat businesses, they struggle in terms of finance. Mm, mm. We can't get finance. Um, we, like, I, 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 I want to understand, like, sure. how can, like, you ask me to, like, to, to, to have finances while I start, while yeah, I've just started yeah. the business. Okay. You know? Lefonolo? Uh, let's pause there slightly, and I certainly hope you can listen on the line because uh, I'm going to pose that question to Fatima around the access to capital and uh, what is needed to ensure we open up access to finance. That there is the voice of uh, Joel Nechitenza speaking at the 2017 uh, uh, conference of the ANC in Nasrak. And uh, Fatima, I want to bring you in here in the context of what uh, uh, Joel Nechitenza has said there and uh, the uh, Kuala Lashonolo who we spoke to earlier on. Young person in business in the construction sector, which uh, is certainly a sector that has fallen on tough times in the recent while. And uh, I guess uh, coming with a very common refrain from uh, many uh, black business owners that uh, we don't have access to capital. Many of the commercial banks uh, put uh, all manner of hurdles in our way for us to access the funding that we need to operate. And uh, more importantly, when we talk about the transformation that yourselves as 27.4 and the likes of APSIP want, uh, what is that transformation going to do uh, in changing the lay of the land when it comes to access uh, for small black businesses to finance? So your school has raised a very, very critical issue that is uh, uh, prevalent in South Africa. So following the global financial crisis and instances such as you know, the collapse of African banks. We have seen the big five banks in South Africa really tightening up and being very conservative on their lending practices. This has led to big challenges for African entrepreneurs and small businesses in South Africa that require access to capital. The one thing I want to state is that there's no shortage of capital because the problem at the moment that exists is really the deployment of capital. So if we look at um, the, 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 the Ministry of Small Business that was uh, uh, set up uh, just uh, a few years ago, you know, we don't really get any good indication of whether that capital that was uh, uh, allocated to that ministry uh, was actively deployed. Mm. Uh, another instance is, you know, uh, the CEOs of South Africa set up an SME signage about three years ago as well. Only recently they've announced that they're going to start deploying that capital. Um, if we look at the interventionist po- policy tools and mechanisms that have been put in place, such as the, the, the codes, uh, there are allocations for enterprise supply development. There are allocations for empowerment financing. Um, the DFIs have got a lot of capital to allocate. Uh, so I think what the, where the challenge and the bottlenecks really lie um, is how to connect uh, the, the, the end uh, SMME to uh, these various pools of capital, and that's where we are currently uh, falling short, and we have identified that um, as a serious mm. problem. Fatima, uh, so uh, how do we overcome, I mean, some of the tendencies? Because one does get a sense that, 
you know, uh, yes, on the one hand, there's risk management protocols and, and controls that you need to follow, you need to vet, you need to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, all of these businesses are legit. And at what point does that then translate to gatekeeping? Because many entrepreneurs at a local level will tell you about, I guess, the maze they need to navigate in order just to access things like bridging finance or even uh, working capital support uh, in the form of overdrafts and simple things like that that are needed to ensure the day-to-day running of a business. Absolutely. And I think we need, as, as government and as well as the private sector, we need to uh, uh, work together to be able to facilitate the flow of this capital more easily. Mm. One of the things that APSIB negotiated as part of the financial sector codes was we set aside um, an allocation towards black business growth funding. It's the first of its kind. It's unique. Uh, it was, uh, uh, it, 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 you know, it was originated by ASSIB. We've got the other constituencies within the Transformation Council to accept it. And basically what uh, Black Business Growth Funding does is it supports uh, the growth and development of black businesses, the growth and development of black women-owned enterprises. Mm. And out of this, we expect about 100 billion rands of capital to flow into the economy. I mean, the thing I want to raise that Angelia raised a few minutes ago was that um, you know, we just take all the capital that's allocated from black people and we just pump it back into the JSE. An interesting statistic is that only 10 years ago, there was just over 700 listed companies of the JSE. Today, if we look at the number of listed companies, it's just over 300, of which only about 100 are very liquid counters. Mm. So there's, and, and also the ability of JSE companies to create jobs and to uplift and to stimulate the economy. They've been hoarding cash for a long time, sure, and not plowing sure. it back into the economy. So the real opportunity does exist to revisit regulations and to look at, um, you know, the, 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 the middle sector of the economy and the expansion of those businesses that really have the ability uh, to grow uh, the economy and to create the much-needed jobs that we require. So I think there's a definite requirement for um, a regulatory overhaul and revisit of the allocations mm. of capital and also to tightening up the efficiencies of these pools of capital, like, for example, uh, the Ministry of Small yeah, Business yeah. Uh, Development. Okay. No, Bula. Now, uh, you know, on the one hand, there's the high-level finance and the big deals. And off air, you and I were talking about the Text and Property Fund and the PIC matter. PIC sitting on two... Uh, trillion over two trillion rands in assets, largest asset manager on the continent. But let's place them aside for a second here. When you say legislation is what we need to move the dial on this issue, and I think Fatima is also raising a similar issue. Many would say we've got legislation. We've got legislation that says, you know, procurement 30% must be given to black owned or black woman owned or, or businesses that are owned by people who are differently abled or people with disabilities. And so the legislation is already there. The issue might be with compliance. And that's why you get frustrated groupings like uh, grouping in uh, KwaZulu-Natal, Etelangokbona, uh, going on site in many of these construction sites and saying, hey, we want 30% of contract value. Um, how do we bridge this gap between formulation of legislation and policy and actually implementation when even some of the state-owned entities themselves don't actually follow some of the transformation uh, uh, injunctions? Look, Ayabonga. Uh, the BMF uh, argues firmly that first of all we we must stop as black people to behave like as if we are visitors in our own country. We are we are the people of this country. We are mag- we are a majority. We are economically marginalized. The fact that we are engaging on these matters as if we are outsiders is is the first point of disadvantage. Let me tell you. Look, if you run a government like we're coming from an apartheid, apartheid is not a far distant history. 
it was purely a regulatory environment and legislative environment that created an advantage white people at the time. They ring fenced themselves and they created competition amongst themselves whilst the parameters they have secured to advantage whites. What is it difficult for us black people to do the same? But not in isolation, because now we are living in a non-racial society, not in isolation with whites. As things stand, whites have the wealth, and we need that wealth to be redistributed to the mm-hmm. rest of everyone. And the only way you could do that is, is through the legislative arm and the mm-hmm. legislative uh, uh, framework that could be implementable to achieve that. The fact that we have the B law, by the way, is a, is a voluntary law. It's not even a supreme law of the country. It means that we are not serious about achieving this change. And as BMF, we, we are tired of arguing uh, uh, on the back foot type of situation whilst we have a government that mm. is professing to be leading no, issues of transformation. No, Pula, w- would you not say that, uh, you know, one, one of the biggest, I guess, fears that many in government have is that we are part and parcel of a global system, integrated as it is. Uh, I remember certainly on uh, the platform, Lenve, like we were having a conversation with a person from the ratings agencies. And I'm saying to him, look, you can't say South Africa now must be placed on negative outlook and we are a risk because we are uh, correcting a historic injustice. There is a sense that many in global capital markets are insensitive to the reality of fixing a historic injustice that we have to do here in South Africa. Do you know, do you know where the risk arises, Ayabong? Mm. The risk doesn't arise in the fact that we have to redress and do the change that we have to, ch- to achieve. The risk arises with the fact that we as South Africans, black and white, are not in consensus in what we need to achieve. And the principal or the, 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 the main player in this who plays the the role of supposedly making the two parties, which is black and white, to be seeing eye to eye is government. Mm. Is there as a referee and as a regulator. Now, the fact of the matter is that there is a certain amount of square meters of land in South Africa, and that square meters of land is sitting with uh, our white counterparts, and one way or the other, we would have to get that land from them. Mm. We're not going to build and be Jesus and create another... <laughs> Another new, another, 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 <laughs> another new planet. We're mm. not going to do that and annex it to the current existing planet. All I'm saying is that we have, by the way, the, if you engage with white business, they, they understand. They understand firmly that the current discourse is not sustainable. They know that you can't live in a country where is, you are only a handful of people that control the whole wealth, the entire wealth. It's not sustainable for them. It's not sustainable even with the, with the international trends where the issue of inequality becomes a, a big issue. South Africa is the most unequal society in the world, and we are not seemingly taking any active steps to reconcile and try to make sure that we achieve that. Let's take the issue of PIC. PIC. Mm. Forget the corruption that you now see there. PIC has single-handedly carried the burden of integrating this economy by giving. They have given more private equity allocation to black business than any other entity that uh, manages money in this country. Mm. And, and the role of PIC becomes crucial and critical in developing new businesses. We have now established businesses like Mazi Capital, Lebashe, Harith and General Partners that are, are big investors in our mm. economy and they are all backed by PIC. All we are saying is that there must be, if, if white business is not going to come and participate willingly, then there must be a biting legislation that would have consequences if you don't mm. meet the necessary requirements to make 
make sure that we bring in into the fold black people they can be clever as all as much as they want without capital and without them being backed by other entrepreneurs whether in the value chain of big multinationals in terms of procurement opportunities then we're not going to create change we can't all be fixated in getting government procurement through tenders and by the way even that you'll find 60 percent of it still goes to white companies we're not going to create any change with that we need the entire economy to be shared and if we can't agree on that us talking, then we have no choice but mm. to run a new typical apartheid system, I dare say, a new typical apartheid system that will advantage black people if that's what you want. Hmm? But we're not going to sit in the periphery indefinitely. And we're not going to be talking about this thing, Ayabong. We're not going to have endless conversations. We need to sit where legislation is mm. at and where economic policy is at mm. and see where we achieve these things. No, Paul, the, mm. uh, the new lawmakers that are going to be forming uh, the next parliament are certainly tuning into this conversation. Hamlet, you are in Tswane. Good evening to you. Uh, uh, good morning. Uh, good evening. I mean, uh, I have one yes, uh, uh, You know, I agree with the, the, the position of BMF. And, you know, the challenge uh, uh, is in twofold, according, uh, uh, you know, uh, to my observation. You know, and I, I want to give just two quick examples, you know. Uh, 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 the failure for trans- the failure in transforming the mining uh, 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 sector, you know, from all all, all fears of transformation, whether by equity, you know, uh, 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 rural development, social uh, development, procurement, and, uh, and and everything else, you know, it's purely because of uh, there is no proper uh, capacity within the DMR to monitor, to enforce, and also to 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 come with uh, uh, biting mechanisms if compliance is not adhered to. Mm. There is no, there is no in- instrument that monitors, I mean, compliance at, at, at that level. And I think maybe there sh- should be uh, 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 an instrument that could be created, uh, maybe within or outside the DMR, that could oversee that responsibility. Because I don't think that they're adequately capacitated mm. to can do that. And, 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 and my other point... Uh, yes, briefly, uh, uh, Hamlet. Uh, uh, yeah, quickly, is that, uh, you see, government cannot really drive this agenda alone. Private sector has been left to run a cut blanche mm. for, for years, and, and I believe that the enterprise development and procurement of this, I mean, uh, 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 of corporate South Africa, is where mm. they can participate massively in, 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 in economic transformation. But we, we're not seeing anything. Ayabonga, yeah. I was with you at the business uh, 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 award. Indeed, you yeah. gave, I mean, an award of enterprise development who won it you know and 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 i looked at that category and and i was very worried that big companies they're not even nominees it it tells you that i mean this reluctance and unwillingness uh, from corporate south africa Mm. to to to, to play a meaningful role in transforming the economy hamlet thank you so much for that contribution and uh, you know because you know, if we think back in 2012, uh, in the case of Lonman, uh, we don't even have one instance in South Africa where the DMR has said we are revoking a mining license because you have not complied. We're going to take that mine and give it to somebody else. And yet uh, Lonman there didn't comply with the social and labor plan. They went and borrowed money from the IFC, said they were going to build houses for people, only built uh, one or two of those houses. And yet to this day, they continue to have, even after that massacre, after the killing of people, they continue to have 
uh, that uh, mining license and the license to operate uh, in South Africa. Let's wrap up at this point. And Fatima, I want to give you the last word. Um, Certainly, uh, Andrea Nomlala here painting a picture that uh, the time for talking is over and uh, there's a need for us to really, I uh, I guess, uh, put uh, shoulders to the wheel and uh, resolve some of those issues. Do you think that we've really handled corporate South Africa with kid gloves when it comes to their, uh, I guess, uh, responsibility uh, in the reconstruction of the society to contribute? Absolutely. And I think, you know, I can really uh, align myself to the challenges, uh, to the frustration of some of your callers, as well as to the frustration of Adile. Because, you know, this year, 2019, we are in our 25th year of democracy. You know, we'll be celebrating 25 years quite soon. Uh, yet, we, you know, it feels almost as if we've moved back. When it comes to corporate uh, South Africa, we do treat them like uh, with kids' gloves. And I mean, we, you know, uh, as, as investment professionals, we raise these issues of environmental, social and governance issues all the time. Um, you know, we haven't seen uh, the outcome of, of uh, any action being taken against uh, sign-off directors. Uh, we haven't seen any action being taken against the remuneration policies of CEOs uh, when the worker on the ground is earning, you know, one hundredth of the salary of a CEO. CEOs are being remunerated, even if earnings results are poor. So the challenges uh, in the private sector, um, you know, that we need to be a lot more active and more vocal uh, as other uh, countries are when it comes to engaging uh, the private sector on a lot of these practices mm. that one could uh, uh, say are not uh, uh, on par with where they should be. Yeah, Fatima, we'll have to leave it there. I really appreciate your views as always. Managing Director at 27.4 Investment Managers and also a uh, very active member in the Association for Black Securities and Investment Professionals, APSIP, uh, that there's uh, Fatima Voda and uh, Nopola. Uh, we'll have to leave it there. Um, and I certainly hope uh, Limbi Zani Pegayo, not Duma, no Patrice Mutepe. Uh, Avuto, are you going to come back and tell us uh, what that action looks like? Because I think as long as it's a good theater, and uh, it's, it is about time that uh, we all uh, find how we can contribute to really uh, uh, building the reconstruction of this particular economy and uh, ensuring that, uh, much like this nation, it continues to have an African face. There is a willingness, Ayabonga, that is 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 surfacing. Let us go to this break and uh, I'll, I'll give you the last word. Hello, no pull up for now. So, when Nina Nitella, no go also shishin in a band, our servants, I have a band of Amyama. To your point, my brother. Uh, just in closing, I think we are presented with a perfect opportunity now under President Cyril Ramaphosa. Mm. BMF is very positive about this new dispensation. And I think I, I attended the BLSA uh, event. There is some positive uh, spin that is coming in and willingness from white business in particular to participate. But mm. I think we can't just leave it to them to sure. be an element of willingness. We are now behind time. And mm. before you know it, we're going to be 50 years and there wouldn't be change. Also, by the way, even government might take must take responsibility mm. because even themselves, they had failed and black professionals also must take the the responsibility mm. with the fact that they didn't put themselves in the forefront of sure. trying to solve these situations. Talking about that, what, mm. what are your views on the truce between uh, Sipo Pijana and Sandile Zungu? 
Look, I, as BMF, uh, we, we, we avoided getting involved in, in that. And that's bad. In, yeah. in that's bad because it, it, it ended up being a personality issue. And we are not, we are a principled organization. Sure. We don't deal with individuals' personal issues. But in essence, the, the discussion that we liked in, in what came out there is that there must be a confrontation amongst us black people on issues of mm. ethical leadership sure. and good governance because some of the failures of this transformation uh, mm. come as a result of us not being ethical mm. and not being leading with with examples sure. the corruptions that have have happened resulted in us being derailed in the main issues mm. the, we were defocused from the issues of of driving the change we want to see. So so we welcome the input that Putsipo mm. made about ethical leadership. Sure. But at the same time, we went, we ended up seeing it as a personal matter okay. and we felt that we're not going to be caught up in that. No, Thank, Thank you so much, Africa, and uh, wish you all the best, of course, in your continuing uh, deliberations uh, to build the voice of black business and uh, to broaden participation in our economy. And uh, as I said earlier on, I certainly hope many of those who are vying to become lawmakers are listening into this conversation. We send you to make the laws that are aimed at uh, giving our people the tools to run their own lives. Thank you.